Good morning. We're glad that you're here this morning at First Baptist of Johnson City. I want to say happy Father's Day to all of the dads this morning. Hopefully you get to do something that is enjoyable today. I was thinking back, uh, my dad passed away um, within the last two years, and even though I was not raised in a Christian home, I'm thankful God was gracious to me. I had a dad who showed me the value of hard work, showed me the value of loving your wife and your kids, and uh, Christian dads, you have an incredibly hard responsibility, but yet also a distinct privilege because you are not alone in leading your family. You're not alone in discipling your children. You have the Holy Spirit who empowers you and encourages you along the way. Remember that. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2 this morning. Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to focus in on the treasure of wisdom. The treasure of wisdom. And I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. We're going to read down through the whole chapter. So, Don't get overwhelmed. Uh, We're not going to spend equal amount of times in each of the verses because they they string together. Proverbs 1 to 9, I was taught when I was in Bible college by an Old Testament professor, Proverbs 1 to 9 really focuses in on wisdom taught to younger children. But this wisdom is applicable to all of us no matter how old we are, no matter how old we feel. So follow along with me as I start in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 2. This is Solomon speaking to his son, and this is what he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, just as the song spoke of a few moments ago, we desire for you to speak to us through your word. I pray, God, that I would be an instrument in your hands and that you would speak your truth and your wisdom alone and then all other thoughts and wisdom that I possess would pass away. I pray that your people would be in awe of who you are as the one true and only God who reveals yourself to us through your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, and through your holy word. God, give us understanding this morning. I pray that our values and our heart desires would come into line with yours, that our will would come under subjection to the authority of the Lordship of Christ. I pray that you would minister to your people this morning, Lord, for those that are hurting this morning, for those that are reminded on Father's Day of 
a dad who is no longer here. For those that are reminded of a relationship with a dad that was not healthy. For those that never knew their dad. I am so thankful that you, God, are the God of the fatherless. And that your grace and your might is sufficient to heal wounds in our lives and to give us strength and grace to honor Jesus and to find our full sufficiency in him. I ask all of these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the message this morning, as I share with you from Proverbs chapter 2 about the treasure of wisdom, I was considering this and I was thinking of all the things in the world. Wisdom might not be likely ranked in the top five of things that are, are seen as most desirable. I was thinking back. Uh, to when I was growing up and I was in elementary school and I was in high school and I don't know if this was true for you men. I remember growing up, uh, I don't think I really wanted to be a fireman, but I know a lot of my friends wanted to be firemen, so whenever someone asked, what do you want to be when you grow up, I'm pretty sure I said I want to be a fireman. Uh, I don't know why it's two words, maybe that's just you know, the way that we work it out as boys at a young age. But other people, even back then, were saying, you know, I'd like to be president. I don't know many people that want to be president anymore. I don't blame you if you don't want to be. Other people were saying, you know, I'd like to be rich. I'd like to be famous. I'd like to be a professional athlete. And then as time went on and and culture changes, pretty soon... Uh, you could be famous for not really being very good or exceptional at anything. You could just be famous for being famous. And people, their their desires, they didn't change drastically, but they said, well, we, we would like to be famous and we'd like to be comfortable in life and we'd like to have all the money that we could uh, handle. And Sometimes parents began to think in the same way. You know, I would just like for for my kids to have it better than I did. And the truth is, if we don't bring that into conformity with the will of God as revealed in the Scriptures, that can go in a very dangerous place. Because there are things that you can do in this world to make money that are not honoring to God. Trust me, there's plenty of people that will have YouTube videos and conferences that will teach you how to do that. Pyramid schemes and stealing, and those are not pleasing to God. So what I want to challenge you on is the pursuit of money, even the worldly pursuit of happiness, those are not the things that you should have as foremost in your life if you profess to know Jesus Christ. If you profess to know Jesus Christ, your desire should be to honor Him in your life, to be further conformed to the image of Christ, which is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So no matter what job you do, you honor Christ in that job. Whether you're a pastor or a missionary or a sanitation engineer, or a mechanical engineer, or a stay-at-home mom. You should desire to honor Jesus, and by the enablement of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of God's Word, you can do that in many different professions. But I'm going to challenge you that one of the things you should desire most in your life, that you should pursue the hardest by God's grace, is to become wise. To become wise. Did you know the New Testament says that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? So if you want to be wise, you must know Jesus Christ. You must know Jesus Christ personally, and you must pursue Him with all that you have. Not not yourself, not other people, but... Jesus Christ. So the first exhortation that I have for you in this passage of Proverbs chapter 2 
as Christians, seek after wisdom. Verses 1 through 4 give us instruction of seeking after wisdom so that we might acquire the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. Look at verse 1 with me. Solomon says to his son here, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. This is really important. He is, he is not taking for granted that his son is automatically going to listen to him. How many times as a parent do you teach your kids, let's say even your adult children, teach them the same wise principle over and over again, and they just don't seem to accept it? And then somebody else comes along who has not stayed up late at night changing diapers and and soothing that child to be able to go to sleep, who has not invested as much time and energy, comes along and says the very same thing, and your child, even your adult child, says, I've never thought of that before. Truth be told, wives, I'm sure the same thing happens to you when you tell us husbands something and we don't hear it or don't accept it, and somebody else comes along, and we think it is the greatest advice we've ever heard in the history of our lives, and your wife probably is shaking her head and saying, Lord, please help me. We all have our moments. He says, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands, storing up God's commands, do you realize that all of this as verse 2 makes even clearer, necessitates that we be good listeners. Good listeners. All of us, men, women, children, God desires for us to be good listeners. So the fathers are to teach, if there is, is not a Christian father in the home or there's not a father in the home at all, single moms, you have a distinct opportunity that by the grace of God, He will help you to fulfill, to teach these principles to your children, even without a father in the home. Dads, I'm going to encourage you, as Solomon taught his son, I'm going to encourage you that you need to teach your children, and those will be formal lessons, and they'll be informal lessons, and you're not adequate for it, and neither am I. God the Father didn't choose an eternity past to rescue you from your sins because you were adequate in and of yourself. He chose to save us according to Ephesians chapter 1, according to His good pleasure. You say, what does that mean? Because He wanted to. It made Him happy to do so. That's why God causes flowers to grow in the desert where no one lives. People say, what's the point of that? Because God wanted to. It makes Him happy. So how do you teach your children You lead your family in devotions. You say, I don't know how to do that. If you have a Bible and you can read it, you can start there. And don't think that you need to read the entire book of Exodus to make up for the weeks that you didn't do it. Start with a manageable portion and sit down with your family and read a a small portion of the Bible. Talk about what it means. Pray with your family. That's a start. That's a start. No matter what occupation we have, we should want to be wise. No matter what stage of life we're in, we should still be growing in wisdom. If you think when you get to the point when the gray hair comes, I don't know about you, if you thought when all of a sudden the gray hair came and all of a sudden you would have all the answers and you would have it all figured out, if you were anything like me, you were sorely disappointed because we don't have all the answers. We are continually being sanctified by the Spirit of God in His wisdom and the knowledge of Christ. Look at verse 2. He says, making your ear attentive to wisdom. So you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to learn, inclining your heart to understanding. Let me tell you, Proverbs lists multiple times examples of people who are unwilling to listen to correction, to instruction, and to rebuke. And do you know that each one of those times God describes those people as a fool? God says people who are not willing to listen and not willing to learn, they aren't willing to hear instruction, they're not willing to hear correction, they're not willing to hear rebuke. You might say, man, 
A person like that, they got all the answers. No, they're not willing to listen to rebuke, instruction, and correction. And Proverbs says that makes them a fool. God wants us to be teachable. I'm not talking about being susceptible to error. I'm talking about being willing to hear biblical wisdom from others. If we, if we close ourselves off, whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, whether you are serving God in vocational ministry, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, if no one can come to you and teach you, no one can come to you and correct you, no one can come to you and rebuke you, Proverbs says that's foolish. Not only is that foolish, that's dangerous. Many times in recent days, we have heard of prominent Christian leaders who seem to be so successful, I'm going to say successful, for God, and we find out that who they were behind the scenes is not who they were in front of everyone. And we say, how on earth does that happen? They rejected instruction, they rejected correction, and they rejected rebuke. And what does that make them? Come on now, a fool. Remember that. doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. We need to be teachable, be good listeners. Solomon instructs his son, and he says that we need to be ready and willing to listen. If we, need, if we want to be wise, that's what we need to do. We need to listen when God's Word is taught and wisdom is shared. As I said in the introduction, wisdom is not properly esteemed, meaning we don't value it as much as we should. Not only that, we don't value listening as much as we should. And that's not just the men. We become so proud or so hardened that we're not willing to listen to people when they tell us things that are true and necessary for us because we don't like them. So what do we do? On social media, we block people. When somebody calls us, we don't answer the phone. Somebody texts us, we ignore it, or we block the number. And in that moment, what we're saying is, because I don't like what this person is telling me, even though it's true, I'm going to close myself off from that. Do you know where that path ends? Not a good place. Marriages explode or implode. Families are divided. Churches split. Tragic. Tragic. Because we're not humble and willing to listen. He says, though, in in verse 3, that we need to call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding. So not only are we uh, actively listening, not only are we actively willing to receive knowledge from someone else, we need to be willing to call out in prayer for God to help us to be wise. James 1, 5 through 6 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. That's a promise. Isn't that a great promise? Anybody else here lack wisdom? Me? We're going to need it continually throughout our lives. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Every single one of us needs our faith to be strengthened more. Every single one of us. None of us are fully conformed to the image of Christ, and we won't be until we stand in His glorious presence. How many times do we go to God with a request? And it's almost like the football equivalent of a Hail Mary. God, I'm not really expecting that you're going to answer this, but I'm just going to put it out there anyway. And you know what happens? God many times is gracious and merciful, and He extends an answer to us anyway, even though our faith was so weak and so small. God gave Gideon an answer twice. If you read the story of Gideon, that is not the model of biblical faith. That is the model of a man who was not walking closely with God and who doubted the character and the promise of God. So when you look at it and say, man, I'm, I'm throwing out fleeces here and there, we do at times, but that's not 
the example to follow. We need to ask Him, help our unbelief. Help us to trust You, God, Your promises, Your character. Furthermore, besides praying and crying out for God to help us to be wise, specifically through His Word, we should be willing to listen to spiritually mature men and women in our lives. How do we do that? We have to have a relationship first, don't we? So that means that we can't live the Christian life as islands unto ourselves. We have to be willing to be in church. We have to get into classes. We have to be willing to meet people so that we can find out who is spiritually mature and see if we can learn from them. Life wisdom for a Christian will not likely be found around the water cooler. It should be found among the people of God. Amen? But if you say, what if somebody comes to me asking for wisdom? You be pursuing God and be uh, consistently in His Word, and you will have wisdom to share. Don't think you need to reinvent the wheel. If you come up with an answer for a fellow believer in need of wisdom that no other Christian in history has thought of before, it's probably not good wisdom. Give them the Word of God. That's ultimately what they need. So there's effort involved here. So many times we think, well, if we can just get such and such a person saved, then our work is done. It is a glorious thing, and there is rejoicing in the presence of God when a sinner turns from his or her sin to Jesus Christ and is born again. Rejoicing in heaven. But that is just the beginning of the work, not the end of the work. Because Matthew 28, 19, and 20 tells us we are to teach that individual all that Jesus commanded. You say, wow, didn't Jesus command a lot of things? Yes. It is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process. That's why disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple, that means you are a student of His. You say, I didn't like school. I understand. No offense to the teachers. This is the most glorious teacher you can have, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Verse 4 if you seek it, this insight and understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, those things would be considered valuable even today. I was thinking about this, hidden treasures. There are people that spend their lifetime sailing all over the world, flying all over the world, exploring, looking for some treasure that was lost at some place in human history. Maybe we could watch something like that on TV. Maybe you are something akin to that because you are a yard sailor. Maybe you go and search for treasures at yard sales. I don't even know how many yard sales are going on right now, just coming out of the whole COVID thing. When I was growing up, every yard sale my parents passed, we were stopping. Everyone. My kids have no idea the soul-crushing feeling of the car slowing down at another yard sale. No idea. I do other weird things, but we don't usually stop at yard sales. People are looking for something valuable. God is saying insight and understanding is valuable. Just like people would search for hidden treasure and silver, we should search for insight and understanding, wisdom from God. He says, when you do that, when you know Christ, when you search after wisdom that comes from Him, He says the result of it as depicted here in verse 5, is you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is something that can be confusing. So many people depict it in different ways. I'm going to share with you that there is a definition of the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 8.13. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. 
pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Now, why would fear of the Lord, why would this uh, holy reverence for God, why would it be defined as hatred of evil? Because, brothers and sisters, when we become more like Christ, when our hearts and our minds are more in tune with Him, in alignment with His will, we will think like He thinks. You with me? When we become more like Him, we will think like He thinks, and God hates evil all the time. You might say, well, how is He loving? He is loving all the time. You and I, we can handle one, maybe two emotions, ladies, maybe more at one time. God is 100% possessing all of His attributes in perfection all the time. He is infinitely loving and gracious and merciful while He also has infinite holy hatred for sin. You might say, I can't understand that. That's because we're not God. If you and I could really fully understand the person of God, He would not be God. So if we fear God, we are going to have a holy reverence for Him and we are going to hate sin. This knowledge of God that we'll possess, ultimately, you, you have to know Him first through repentance and faith in the gospel, but you will be growing in your experiential, personal knowledge of Him. So Solomon is teaching his son, son, seek after wisdom, and as you do, you will gain, you will acquire the fear of God and the knowledge of God. You might say, well, I, f- I feel like I don't know God that well. How hard are you pursuing Him? How hard? I don't know what your life is like, what your schedule is like. I know that uh, the older I get, the harder it is to be motivated to go exercise. And here's what I do. I won't exercise for six months, and I'll decide that in two days I'm going to make up for six months that I didn't do. And that's a terrible idea. If we are just sporadically spending time with God, of course our relationship with God is not going to be close. How how can you expect not to spend time with Him and think that everything is going to be flowing along smoothly? He won't allow that because He loves you too much as a child of God. The second exhortation that we see, Christians seek after God. Seek after God. We're supposed to seek after wisdom, and we seek after God because He's the source of it all. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. I'm going to stop there. So God gives wisdom. People are seeking wisdom in philosophy and psychology and sociology and so many other disciplines. But if you do, if you search after wisdom apart from God, you will be disappointed. Remember when I quoted to you earlier, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Paul wrote that to the Colossians. Why did he write that? Back in the first century, there was something called proto-Gnosticism. It was like the very... Uh, infant form of what became full-blown Gnosticism later, which taught that you needed to seek this secret hidden knowledge. That's what Gnosticism comes from, is gnosis, which is knowledge. And what they taught was you find that apart from the Bible, apart from the gathering of believers, you have to go off someplace and, and go into some mystical trance so that you can find this secret knowledge. And, and Paul is saying, that's an error. If you want to know all the secrets of wisdom and knowledge, you need to know Jesus Christ and be walking in a closer relationship with Him. Then you will find all the secrets of wisdom and knowledge. Who do you think invented the secrets of wisdom and knowledge in Gnosticism? Not God, Satan. It's a distraction. Do you realize, I know you do, how many distractions from the truth are in our world today? They're all over the place, aren't they? Things that sound similar to spiritual truth 
but are filled with just a little bit of error because the enemy desires to lead God's people away from trusting fully and sufficiently in his word and away from trusting fully and sufficiently in Jesus Christ. His ploys have not been that different from the beginning. So if we want wisdom, we need to seek wisdom from the mouth of God. And where do we get wisdom from the mouth of God? In the Word of God. Once revealed, handed down for us. As we do so in the second half of verse 7 and into verse 8, We experience God's divine protection. Walking closely with God, we experience his blessing. We experience his fellowship. Psalm 1-6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. That's not hyperbole. We all know people that walk in rebellion against God for a long period of time, and there's times when God says, enough, and he takes them home. We don't want to be on that path. We want to be on the good path that he's going to describe towards the end of the chapter. What's the outcome of acquiring this wisdom and knowledge as we pursue God? Verse 9 tells us, then... You will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. This path is going to be contrasted with the evil way later in the chapter. He says, because wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Remember when I quoted James chapter 1 earlier? If any of you lack wisdom, we're supposed to seek God and he will provide for us wisdom. He says that wisdom will come into our lives. And the end of verse 10 says that knowledge will be pleasant to our souls. We will delight in the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God as we find it in his word. Think about those times, believers, when you sit down and you read God's word or even when you hear it. Maybe it's in a song. Maybe it's in a message. And your soul is satisfied with the truth that you hear. Maybe if you're a younger believer and you hear some people around here, we're Baptists, so it's not usually loud, but if there's something someone hears and they identify with it and they say amen, you might hear a mmm. That's because in that moment, that believer realizes, I believe that truth. I have based my life upon it. And it satisfies my soul, even though this life in which we live in this fallen world is sometimes like an arid desert or a war zone. He says we need to pursue God so that we can acquire this wisdom and it will come into our lives and it will cause us, according to verse 11, to have discretion that will watch over you. This word, this Hebrew word, is also translated elsewhere as prudence. Prudence. Wisdom is a precious thing. Discretion is a precious thing. I don't know that our society, I know our society doesn't really value discretion. I don't know if our society understands discretion. that you could know something and because the Holy Spirit gives you discretion or prudence, you don't share it with another person because it would not be honoring to God. That's discretion. Everything, I was taught this as uh, as a child. I remember my mother saying, Chris, every thought that comes into your mind does not need to come out of your mouth. I'm 41 now, headed towards 42. That's still wise. Not everything that I think needs to come out of my mouth. I teach my kids that. So does my wife. We need to be reminded of that. Not everything that we could physically do should we involve ourselves in. 
Not everything that we have the physical ability to listen to should we listen to. How many times has someone come to you to complain about another believer? And it is, is easier in the flesh to just sit there and listen, and, and maybe even, because we're sinners, we pile on, rather than saying, have you talked to the person? If you haven't talked to the person, I'll go with you to talk to the person. Right then you will find out the heart intent. Because if the person looks like a cornered animal at that moment, they have no desire to go talk to the person to handle it the right way. And I'm not going to pretend that it is not a sin that I commit in my own life at times, and I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't exist at First Baptist, because it does. I don't think there's such a thing as sanctified gossip. There's certainly not a thing as sanctified slander. Verse 12, this discretion and this understanding that watches over us and guards us will deliver us from the way of evil. We're supposed to stick to the good path. This wisdom from God will deliver us from the evil path. He says, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. He's going to give two different categories here. Men of corrupt speech, it literally means twisted or perverse. So God's path in the Bible is described as a straight path. It is a narrow path, but it is a straight path. The way of evil is twisted. When God makes something straight, the enemy desires to make it appear twisted. He comes up with a counterfeit that's twisted from what God says is good and true and right. And God tells us to stay away from that path, and wisdom and discretion from God will deliver us from it. These men of, uh, that walk on the way of evil, the men that use corrupt speech, Look at verse 13. They forsake the paths of uprightness. The path that God says to walk on, they say, I want nothing to do with that path. Believers, we know that the path that the unbelieving world walks on that is contrary to the Word of God, that is not the path that we are to go sightseeing on. It is not. Regardless of how passionately we justify internally or outwardly, it is not the path that we are to be on. That's why we don't get our ideas of how to live this life from Hollywood or from Washington, D.C. We don't get it from Albany. We don't get it at the town board meeting. We don't get it at the school board meeting. We get it from the Word of God as it is taught and upheld in the body of Christ in your local church. We don't go sightseeing on the path of evil. Wisdom and discretion from God helps us to steer clear of that. But it's not just that they say, I want nothing to do with God's path. That might seem like enough. Look at verse 14. These unbelievers, they rejoice in doing evil. This is Romans chapter 1, 18 to 31. They have rejected the knowledge of God. They have refused to give Him glory. And they delight in the wickedness that they can find. And apart from the intervening grace of Jesus Christ, they will remain on that path until they enter eternity. I don't know about you, I have family members that are on that path. And I pray that God will open their eyes, that they would repent and believe on Christ and be transformed. If you have those family members, don't stop praying for them. He says they love doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of evil. Again, that word that has the idea of being twisted or corrupt. Can you imagine as you're, you're reading that, if you know Jesus Christ and you've walked with him for any period of time, it should be difficult for you to understand how someone could love the perversity of evil. When you watch the news, when you hear some of the crazy things that are coming out in the media that people are lobbying for, We should be grieved. I'm telling you, when you read the story of Lot, 
And then you go over to 2 Peter and you see that Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed daily. It didn't seem like in the story of Genesis that he seemed vexed at all. But inwardly, apparently, he was frustrated, grieved by their sin. How grieved are we by the wickedness that we see around us? Are we like the frog in the pot that the temperature's been turned up slowly? I was talking with Pastor Russ this morning. There's a theologian, uh, Owen Strand. Some months ago, he wrote a book on the doctrine of anthropology, which means the study of what the Bible says about mankind. And I, I like a lot of the things that Owen says. I like a lot of the things that Owen writes. And I remember Owen saying the reason why he wrote this book is because throughout all the different generations, Satan has attacked different core doctrines of the Bible. He attacked the Bible. He attacked uh, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He continues to do that. And Owen said, I really believe during this time that which we live, in which we live that it's going to be the doctrine of humanity that he's going to attack. And I told Pastor Russ, I said, he's a smart guy, but man, do I think he's off. Owen was right. Did you ever think that you were going to live in a period of time when we would have as a part of the language of our culture something such as a birthing person? That there are people with PhDs in our country that can't explain the genetic difference between a man and a woman. Satan desires to take all of God's truth and cloud it poison it, twist it, and it doesn't matter how important the doctrine is or or how important we think it is, that's better put, how important we think it is, the enemy of our souls is after all of it, and yet our God's truth will last forever. Nothing will stop the power and the effectiveness of His Word His will will be accomplished. These individuals who delight in evil, verse 15 says, their paths are crooked, their ways are devious. Remember I said God's path is straight. If you look at the screen, Psalm 37, these two verses should be verses that do something to you as a believer in your spirit. God tells us in these verses, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You might say, wow, that sounds like a way for me to get anything that I want. That's not the way that it works. When you delight yourself in the Lord, He is going to renovate you from the inside out. And the desires that you will have will ultimately be His desires for you, which were far better than the desires that we had in the first place. The desires that we have are akin to being satisfied with a mud puddle at the end of the driveway rather than having the ocean. Mud puddles can be fun. They don't compare with the ocean. Our God's ways are higher and they are better. If we look down at verse 16, this way of of insight, this way of wisdom and discretion, it will also deliver us from the forbidden woman. You may have a footnote that says the strange woman. Whenever the Old Testament uses such a term, it refers to a woman who is not the wife of a man. So if you're married to a woman, a strange woman would be a woman who's not your wife. And men in Israel and men today, women who are not our wives, we are not to be intimately involved with. We are not to have a relationship with a woman who is not our wife. Regardless of what the world says, this idea of do what makes you happy is the path of destruction. 
But the application of this can go for Christian women as well. Sharing intimate and personal feelings with someone who is not your spouse is not a wise idea. Affairs don't just happen. They happen because of small compromises and sin all along the way that leads to the big explosion. And there is collateral damage for the rest of your life. There is forgiveness and there is healing by the work of the Holy Spirit, but there the consequences will not go away. One of the things that Satan tries to do is to make us think that sin is incredibly pleasurable and that the cost of it will be very small. Think about the Garden of Eden. The promise seemed great. The cost, you're going to be just like God, so it seems very small. And that decision affects all of us for the rest of our lives. He goes on and he says, You will be delivered not only from the forbidden woman, but from the adulteress with her smooth words. These smooth words are flattering words, seductive words. Who forsakes the companion of her youth, that would be her husband, and forgets the covenant of her God. This is not the covenant of salvation. This is the covenant that a husband and wife would make to each other with God as witness. When we make those vows, they are to one another with God as witness, and He expects us with His grace to keep those. They're not small, trifling things. They are important things that reflect the relationship of Jesus Christ with His church. He goes on and He tells the consequences in verses 18 and 19. Her house, going and involving yourself in adultery, Her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Saying, God's judgment may be that he ends your life. It's amazing. I think about things uh, when I was a kid and a teenager and driving and things that I thought were really great ideas and they weren't that dangerous that I look at now and I say, it's the grace of God that I'm still alive. Maybe you know that story. You could come to this point where you think, you know, well, I could do anything stupid and foolish and God is just going to bail me out. He might not. He might say, you want to be foolish. I'm going to let you reap the consequences of your actions. Let's say that you intentionally decide to go and jump off of a three-story building You could be really sorry when you get to the bottom, but that doesn't mean that you might walk again. These sins that the world treats like pets and celebrates are not things that are helpful for a believer. I'm going to close with this. Verses 20 through 22. Christians, stay on the path of the wise. Stay on the path of the wise. He says, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. God's path is described as the good path, the wise path, the helpful path. When you teach your kids about things that they say, is it helpful? Is it true? Is it wise? And how many times... I have to say it to myself. No, I don't think it was helpful. It wasn't wise. It might have been true, but it wasn't helpful or wise. God says, stay on this path because it leads to blessing and joy. Walk in the good way, not the evil way talked about in Proverbs 2.12. We do so, Christians, by walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. He's speaking to Israel here, ultimately. And he says in verses 21 and 22 that those who walk in rebellion against God, he would remove from the promised land. 
You might say, well, you know, well, did he remove them by, they, you know, they got to move to a nicer place? He removed them by ending their lives. Our God loves us so much, and yet he is so passionate about his glory, he will not allow a true born-again believer to walk through life in consistent rebellion against him without ultimately saying, enough is enough, I'm bringing you home. You don't even want to start down that path, and neither do I. When you see someone walking down that path, go and talk to them, correct them, rebuke them, pray for them. But don't just let them hit the wall and walk away. How can you acquire wisdom? You have to know Christ. You have to pursue God and His wisdom through prayer and His Word. You have to fear God by properly respecting Him and honoring Him. And by His grace, obey His commands by the enablement of His Spirit. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your wisdom. And we just touch the tip of the iceberg. Your Word contains inexhaustible treasures. I pray that we would delight in Your law that we would rejoice in your Son, and that, God, you would give us hearts and minds that would desire to pursue Christ in all of the wisdom and the knowledge that are found in him, and that we would be people that would walk in the straight path, the good path, the path that is characterized by light and righteousness and not by darkness and evil. Yeah, Father, as I mentioned, Every single one of us is tempted to go down the path of sin and unrighteousness. When others see us walking down that path, whether it is a missionary, whether it is a deacon, whether it is a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, God, give us the courage and the conviction to go talk to one another that we might see crisis and destruction averted. For your glory, God, and our good. In Jesus' name. Amen.